1: And, and overall, overall bad bad ass. Ass. Welcome, Welcome welcome to Kettle, to kettle Whistle, whistle with your host, your host Dave, Dave and Sean, and Sean. Sean. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah. All right, folks. Hey, thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. As promised, we're back in the horror network again. Uh, we haven't had, done horror in a while, uh, off and on. We talk it, but now we're going to be walking it. We got Bobby Eastley, director, coming on soon with Ken Wallace, who is also a writer on their film, inspired by H. P. Lovecraft, Witch House and uh, hopefully by the time you listen to this, I think it'll be available, at least there'll be screenings of it. And I'm joined with my good friend and co-partner in crime on the Society13 Podcast Network, Martise from The Pop-Off. Martise, how are you? How you
0: doing, Dave? Hi, Dave, good, thank you so much for having me on.
2: Well, of course, of course, goes without saying. The Pop-Off itself has had quite a run in, well, this week.
0: Thank you, yes, I actually had a great episode. I talked to um author and musician Dandy Brown and his very talented wife Dawn, and it was amazing. You got to check it out wherever you
2: listen to podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are great people. They've been on this show. You guys have met them probably. Well, Dandy several times. Uh, Dawn was, yeah, she was on with him with the, with their other band, and uh, yeah, I have yet to listen to that episode. But my God, I got to say the pop off is blowing up. So if you listen to the pop off, you're not alone. There's a lot of listeners. Like you established that, that must have blown you away when you saw the uh, analytics on that.
1: Yes, it did.
0: I was very
2: surprised. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. And thanks for doing this tonight. Um, we, like I said, we're going to have Bobby Easley and Ken Wallace on talking about their film, Witch House. And uh, you got to watch it as well as I did at the screener. What'd you think? So, you know
0: that I love horror movies, my favorite genre. And I was very impressed, I liked it a lot. It didn't have a lot of fluff in it that's for sure it, it wasn't hard to follow i liked the the cinematography was great yeah they didn't have a lot of bad graphics you know and bad attempts at cgi i, right. I liked everything about it
2: yes yeah um i, I yeah and, and when you did get a little cgi and i'm going to ask them about that it wasn't it wasn't overdone and it was actually welcoming Yes. And I think you know what I'm talking about. We'll just say uh, embryo. <laughs> yes. No spoilers. Oh, yeah. No spoilers here, but it's an incredible mm-hmm. scene. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be talking to those guys. But anyway, it's been a while since me and you have been on the same show uh, and talk. Uh, what have you been doing lately? And uh, how are you, What are you preparing for your next episode? Or what kind of prep work are you doing for the pop off?
0: Yes. So, actually, I'm recording tomorrow, so it'll be out next week. Wow. It's me and a uh, good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Brian Boyer. He also has his own uh, podcast called Eye on Life with Brian Boyer, which, of course, I will put in the show notes of this podcast that I got coming up. And we're talking about cancel culture.
2: Ooh, that, that's hot right now, man. I'm so tired of it.
0: It is. But you know what, though? I think that, like everything else, there's good and bad that goes along with it.
2: Okay, okay.
0: You know, and that's kind of like just how capitalism is.
2: True.
0: So, you know, it's like you have your choice whether you want to support this business or support this person or not. I do think that a lot of times we go to some extremes. Yeah. But, like, I remember before cancel culture was even a thing, there was a commercial that I would see every morning when I was getting ready for work. And it was a Belveeta commercial. Did you ever see that food?
2: Uh-oh. Like those little
0: snack foods, Belveeta? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Actually, I've eaten the damn things. Yeah, the little breakfast things.
0: Every morning, those commercials would piss me off. And I was like, I'm never buying any of their products. Um, Because it would piss me off.
2: You have to remind me. I I, I remember being unnerved by it. What was the commercial?
0: I don't even remember because it was that long ago.
2: There was something annoying. Was it something a woman was saying or something? I don't even remember.
0: Probably. Or a song or something like that. Hmm. But I have... Cancelled products because their commercials piss me off.
2: (laughs) I've done the same thing, yeah.
0: So it's it's stuff that goes back before all of social media, before you could get out there and you know cancel this person and cancel that person. But if you don't want to support somebody or a brand or whatever, like
3: Mm -hmm.
0: that's fine, right? But hey, guess who just walked into the room right now? Uh oh, Jay Asadi.
2: Oh. Musician, rapper, Extraordinary. He's in the room.
3: I just actually stepped into the room because I, you know, our, our son is running around, man. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work without just being interrupted.
2: Okay. Well, That's it doesn't matter want. here. We have dogs interrupt all the time, so.
3: Okay, i just making sure. Like, I was telling martiz because, like, I haven't really been doing anything, and so, like, I'm just popping out of nowhere, reintroducing myself. All
2: He's right.
3: But it's whatever. I mean, I hope nobody thinks it's not about the support. I watched the movie. I actually was entertained.
2: Okay. Know. Well, they could be joining us. They were very good. They're good. You know what I mean, because like, there's a there's a stigma
3: that comes with like, I guess um, when you say indie film, there's like almost like a stereotype where it's like people are expecting the quality to just be horrendous or terrible. Or, like that's the first thing they're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, yeah, that's the thing because, like, if it's not if it's not coming out from like a major, you know, major studio or major company, as soon as you say indie, oh, well, this is an indie film, automatically first thing comes to mind is like, oh, you know, they're they're not expecting the quality of the film to be, you know, as far as the uh, video goes to be as great. You know, they're looking for, you know. the, uh... You know, the audio not to be you know great quality it's like everybody's expecting that so i mean for overall that's what you know i was impressed with it wasn't it wasn't poor quality
2: yeah that it's pretty forced. impressive yeah there was a lot of work put into that i gotta ask him i'm gonna ask every angle i can regarding that because it was quality product um i and i hope he has success with this i want to hear what i am gonna ask him you know about screenings and what kind of feedback he's been getting uh, that's I probably, mean, the storyline
3: was very dark, you know what I mean? The storyline was very dark, but, you know what I mean? There, there's a, there's an there's a audience for that, you know what I'm saying? There's a crowd that, that watches that, so I'm not going to sit there and, and diminish what, you know, you do, because I'm just looking at the quality of the product, Is mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, but I'm not the one that's, you know, that's not my, my audience type deal for me, but I can respect the quality work with, there's definitely marketable for
2: audience that
3: is with that. You feel what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Right. That, that's Definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope you have a couple of questions for them uh, when Bobby comes on here and oh, a little bit. Um, and uh, we're going to talk horror. It's been a while. And Witch House inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. I watched the film about, uh, I want to say two months ago, and we were supposed to do something then, but it ends up it's coming close to the actual release, so they wanted to do something like now. So that's why we're doing this today in February 2022. And uh, I, I met these guys a while ago great guys. We had a lot of fun the last time I met them in person. And uh, we just had a blast at the Indianapolis uh, Days of the Dead, and uh, just glad they stayed in touch. And now I get to see that. And I saw some of their earlier stuff too, like uh, Belly Timber. I don't know if they're gonna talk about that, but I'm gonna ask them about it. That's a that was a gore fest, that's for sure. Um, actually, uh, we had a familiar uh, face in this film too. Uh, one of our friends from conventions, uh, Solon Singaris, stars in it. He's one of the supporting casts. Um, I don't know if you did you recognize him. Did you do you know Solon? Yeah,
3: yeah. I might have met uh, Uncle John is a zombie. Yeah, John Russo.
2: That's right. Yes, indeed, he shot me. You'd think I'd remember that one. And, uh, yeah, that one, but uh, he's in Belly Timber as well. uh, He's definitely a character actor, but he's a character in person, too. I'm going to get them to talk about that for certain. But, uh, all right, well, we're going to have our guests come in in a little bit here. And if you want, Jay, get your stuff out there, where they can find you and what you're up to these days.
3: Man, listen, I have a whole slew of hits uh, that I have to release, but I'm going to actually make a video. You know, like I said, you can find me. SIDJ,
2: period,
3: space,
2: ASADI, showing all platforms. And a little man just walked there, so <laughs> I gotta step up and attend to this. So, Matisse, hold on. Please take for from here. <laughs> yeah, hold on. No problem. all right, here I am. That's right, cool. We, uh, yeah. All right, my friends, as promised, there's always new music here. We've got stuff, this is very bluesy rock stuff that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, coming from the UK, my buddy Peter Noble, who is a promoter over there, um, you're going to hear a guy right now, many of you are familiar with if you like blues, Troy Redfern. He's preparing a new music video that actually came out in the fall. We get things a little later here sometimes across the pond. But yes, you can go to TroyRedfern.com if you're interested in more of his stuff. I would say you should do that if you like the blues and rock together. And uh, if you're really interested in blues, you really should contact or if you want to interview any of these guys or find out more about them. Hit up my friend here. Uh, honestly, Troy, um, uh, Troy <laughs> Yeah, Troy Redford, he's my friend. No, the promoter, Peter Noble, you can go to if you want to talk with Troy, go to TroyRedford.com. But um wwwnobleprcouk forward slash press dash releases. Um is how you can definitely contact my buddy Peter Noble. Um and just get, you could also go to Peter at noblepr.co.uk and he may get back to you. Lots of blues bands there. Um, if you're bottom-up fans, tons of stuff like that. And like this, I really dig this one, though. We're going to play Sanctify to get things started here in the horror realm. Later on in the show, something a little more local. Uh, this guy, Jim Lau, who contacted me from the band Old Town Crier, creates his own music. And from what I see here, there's more... But I'm only on his Facebook page. That's all I've got so far. But you can check out Oldtown Cryer Music, I believe, com. Let's see where else you can find. Yeah, they're on Bandcamp. Um, OldtownCrier.bandcamp.com if you like that. That'll be later in the show. We're gonna go out with into the dark after we talk about our HP Lovecraft stuff here. But right now, let's get into some Troy Redfern. And thank you as always for listening.
0: It's Margarita from Edge of Paradise,
3: and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio.
1: I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark—things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker, with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new... www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work.
2: folks friends and fiends thanks for tuning in we're here like i said as promised bobby easley director writer and ken wallace writer and i believe were you also ken script director as well
4: yeah script supervisor
2: there we go by the hp lovecraft inspired witch house and uh is with us from the pop-off as you heard earlier who thoroughly enjoyed it i've seen the film now two and a half times and it does get better each time and thanks, guys, for coming on. We are not strangers, and I'll establish that in a little bit. And uh, I guess Bobby and Martez met a little bit ago.
5: Yes. yes, but he probably couldn't hear me. Oh, <laughs> I, I can hear you perfect now.
2: Yeah, there you go. What can I say? We have a pretty good connection established, so we can run with that right now. Um, first of all, we met a while ago, and that was at the. I met Ken and Bobby back at the Indianapolis Days of the Dead. I want to say four years ago.
4: Oh, probably more than that.
2: Wow, that's so sad.
4: Eight, five, probably at least five damn yeah
2: but i just want to i, I want to set the picture up here because it was pretty amazing I, I didn't know you guys then but you knew my uh publisher gary vincent and of course you knew solon um Sangaris garris who's also on the label and john russo I, i'm showing up there at this indianapolis event which was great i had a blast i get there i didn't know any of you guys and i think there was like eight to twelve of you guys in your crew is that right
5: and yeah, we had quite a bit of people right. with Belly Timber,
2: yeah. Very intimidating. Uh, you guys were sitting next to us, and to the left of us, who was there? Rick Flair. <laughs> you do remember that.
5: Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Jay's yeah. going to be so upset because Ric Flair is his
1: favorite.
2: Oh, well, he can talk about that. But I don't know. We, we didn't have much interaction. There was just a big line wrapped around the place right. waiting to meet him. I think you guys, were you guys working on or promoting Belly Timber at that time? yes. Right, and that's where uh, Solon came in back then. And we, I don't know, I had a blast with you guys. And there was a we played a cannibal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the man, and he plays Brown Jenkins in your film right here. That
4: yes, he does and, that was a great job. I think I think that he did a great job.
2: It, yes, yeah, and, and quite freaky, and that is he's a character actor. That's what he does, uh, right. Solon, and he's no stranger to these airways either. Um, Now, Martise, you watched it. You said you liked it. Um, Yes. Yeah. Go ahead with what you were telling me earlier about what you liked about it, because it's a pretty rich film with layers.
0: Yes, it is. Well, one of the things that I liked about it was there wasn't a lot of fluff in it, you know, Uh just kind of like wasted time. It was Uh like there was every scene had a point, Uh you know, and the cinematography was great. And usually when you hear, you know, indie films, you think that it's going to look cheap, but it didn't. It delivers. Like, eh, yes, the, the look of it, um, any of the effects l- were really good.
2: Incre- yeah, everything was. Um, where did you come up with the plan here, Bobby and Ken, uh, the two of you? Which one of you came up with the first, actually? You're just going to pursue an H.P. Lovecraft story?
5: Well, <clears throat> when we were uh, doing some advanced screenings of Belly Timber, uh, we went to the Salt City Film Festival in Syracuse, New York, and Solon was there, uh, a lot of really good uh, good people, uh, and I met Brian Usna, <clears throat> and uh, he and I were talking about the projects that our company was releasing, and he said he'd like to be involved from the get-go on the next project, and we, uh, you, know, you know, conversed for a little bit, and then, you know, getting back home, months are going by, I got in touch with him and he asked me just to go through some of the public domain works of H.P. Lovecraft. And so I started delving into stuff and looked at like almost every one of his stories involves some cosmic, huge elder god, mm-hmm. gigantic CGI million dollar monster. <laughs> and we don't have that type of budget, obviously, being an indie filmmaker. So. A simpler story fit you know of a college student being haunted by this you know 19th you know 18th century witch as so an awakening a coven that seems like something that we could that's more our realm and we could really have fun with it so that's kind of where it started
2: HP Lovecraft is a personal uh, favorite read for me um, he dealt with the old ones, like you said, uh, the ancient and vile, and demon-esque entities. Um, just to put, you know, just playing evil, and uh, you established that so well. I felt like I felt like when I was reading the short stories that I have, I have volumes of downstairs, and uh, you brought it to life. And I, the character establishment was great. I like that you stuck with the villains almost the entire film with one protagonist, um, Alice, played by Michelle Morris. And where did you find her?
5: Uh, well, we uh, luckily from us being a part of days of the dead film convention, we've known a lot of scream queens and women that have been working in other films along, you know, And um, when it comes down to someone that's diehard to work with you throughout, you know, the toughness of making a horror film, it's difficult to cast just, any old talent agency's girl because they may not like the subject matter. They'll be uncomfortable at moments. Blood gets gross. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But when you have some of these girls that are veterans of these films, it really <laughs> helps to know them. And we went through fifteen women.
2: Wow. Okay. Uh,
5: Brian Yuzna kept kicking them back. He says, uh, "Looks like next door. Too American. Too gothic. Too crazy. <laughs> Even like
4: Michelle at the start.
2: Wow." interesting uh and then and you got tommy did a, and, did a good job, and kelly tommy and kelly who are well one of them is a real good friend one is not i don't want to ha- give out any spoilers tommy played by julianne prescott um she was an interesting character um and kelly were any of these people that's uh what erin trimble i believe her name is oh is kelly
5: yes erin trimble
2: were any of them considered to play the lead at any point
5: uh we did actually move and ask people to read different roles and it just came down to Michelle really was the most vulnerable of them looking to me,
4: I feel right. Like.
2: I would say yeah that that's that's true. The other two are kind of tough cookies.
4: Well, she could play kind of a cute nerdy eggheadish sort of. I mean that fits her pretty
2: well, I think. And w- the location now you guys are Indiana folks, right? Uh, was it shot all shot in Indiana? Yes. And that house, I mean, where, how did well, you we, find that?
5: There's a few yeah. We did shoot a couple of scenes in Illinois, Princeton, Illinois. Yeah, in Princeton, Illinois.
2: Because that house is so Lovecraft. I mean, just everything about the outs, the, yeah, the outside. And then you get in the interior; just amazing. Uh, was it somebody's house that they were just kind of like renting out for you guys?
4: That's a famous haunted house here Ooh. in Greenwood, Indiana, the uh, Hannah House.
2: Oh, nice. Okay, so
4: we got in good with the owner and. Uh, he he agreed to let us use it for establishing shots then he agreed to let us in there for four days and then we showed up with all the gear and costumes and all the people and ended up being there for two and a half years
2: uh between uh, belly timber and now was there did i miss anything in between um, cause i saw you guys like you said it's longer than four years uh well did i miss something in between or were you working on this back then
5: uh, no, um, after the release of uh, Belly Timber Devil Dogs
2: and the Dead Bodies in Two Two Three, yeah, Devil Dogs, um, it was
5: to totally go back to the drawing board and and think of you know I I've always really liked uh, witches and that whole mythos behind them. Uh, I had a childhood experience, you know, where my uh, one of my older cousins used to tell us kids to go lay down upstairs in a bedroom of a very old house uh, while the adults were downstairs. You know, just lay down and don't move. And she went so far as to open up a closet door and put a big vanity mirror there and pop the panel out of the attic and tilted it to where we could see right up into that hole of the attic. And she said, there's a witch that lives up there. Oh, damn. And if you move, she can see you in this mirror. So... And how old were you? Gosh, man, I had to be like four or five. Oh, yeah. Something that just stuck with, that's terrifying. Because I just remember, you know, staring at that mirror wow. and seeing that dark hole. So I'm glad that we can take advantage of that, you know, uh, that life experience. Stephen King says you, you write what you know about.
2: I mean, that you established that uh, when she, uh, well, um, Alice is up in that attic and she does what well she doesn't do what i would do and probably what you did when you were alone like that you look around the room first you, you look for you listen to everything she puts headphones on and takes you right out of your comfort zone like i would have those the, the earbuds out just to listen to everything around me in that creepy ass attic but you definitely established you felt like somebody was watching her the whole time uh, that so i guess that's where you got that from
5: yeah yeah i mean i i, I never thought of it that way i do like that ken that or having the headphones on is just like, really? reminds me of a scene out of Alien or Alien 3. You know, the guy cleaning the, the Absolutely. wind tunnel, tunnel out, and it's like he can't hear anything. He's just, <laughs> oh God, it's creepy.
2: 100%. 100%. Yes, that gets me every time. Uh, now, you get, all right, you know what? I should ask you guys to explain, give, give us a synopsis, so uh, just to uh, entice people to go see this thing. Um, if you want to give us a quick synopsis. Yeah.
4: Uh... Our lead actress, Michelle, she uh, comes from an abusive past. She loses her baby. Her boyfriend beats her up. She loses her baby. Uh, It's established later on that she can't have children. Mm. And so she uh, goes to get a room at the Hannah House where a professor told her she can hide out. No one will find her, but she can continue her studies. And then all sorts of macabre, crazy things start happening to her and... One of her one of her areas of study is uh, interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. You know, certain uh, geometric shapes are, can enhance your you know mental powers to uh, go into different dimensions,
2: open portals, and so, such.
4: So yeah, the mathematics of that, and she that's one of the reasons she likes being where she's at because of the geometric shapes and designs. So and then she uh, you know. Starts dabbling in things she probably shouldn't
2: dabble in, so... So you created math horror. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I've never seen... uh, How much do you guys... How much are either one of you into the... You introduced to me Transcendental Magic. Um, Either of you... Were you knowledgeable on the the subject prior to the film?
4: Uh, No, but... uh you know bobby knows a few people that are probably into that sort of thing mm-hmm. and so you know we did get some advice from people that are knowledgeable on such things mm-hmm. but we did quite a bit of
5: research too we did and thinking about the Necronomicon and how that all worked the mythos surrounding that mm-hmm. and there really are um um magicians and people that can supposedly we talked about space and bending time right mm-hmm. and what if a witch did figure that out a long time ago, just with the right sacred geometry and influence of the structure around her? that right. could actually open one of those gateways, and that's what the people didn't understand, and that could lead to the whole burning of witches and that type of stuff, you know?
4: Yeah. Well, And we did a lot of research on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. hmm and, we, and, you know, you said something about, you know, you felt like that was one of those stories that you read. So oh, yeah. we took his story, and I thought, you know, there was lots of ways to uh, kind of spice the story up, but mm-hmm. stay true to how he would have written something, you know, something that, you know, Howard himself could have been proud of. So that yeah, I, was important to us.
2: I think we actually talked when I first met you guys at that particular um, Indianapolis Days of Dead. I think we talked to HP Lovecraft. And I remember Bobby actually saying that he was uh, like an influence. I don't know if he's been influenced the whole time or if you're just getting into it then. Uh, did you read a lot of his stuff, Bobby, prior to this?
5: Well, uh, I really just, it was kind of like he's a mysterious guy. Oh, yeah. And the things that I'm a big alien fan. Ah. And so there's some big inspiration from, you know, Lovecraftian descriptions of aliens that were used in the concept drawing and, and just the special effects makeup for the alien uh is kind of Lovecraftian and the story is actually Lovecraftian in itself and so that's always drawn me to them and then like heavy metal and stuff the Necronomicon, Evil Dead, I knew these stories come from some places and these titles are so far out there that I've done research online and read some of the short stories. And it's just like, wow, it's mind blowing stuff. <laughs> but I never, and Metallica, you know, and, uh, using some of the lyrics, that's oh, yeah. where I'm really mostly familiar is like the heavy metal. Yeah. Um, the,
2: the thing that should not be, that's one of my favorite yes, tunes. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's totally Iron Maiden, you know, um, there's just, uh, a lot of really, you know, there's Lovecraft right there on Eddie's headstone on, uh, live after death so uh that's it's one. just yep. it's always been i have flirted around with it because i know it's in popular culture here and there but you've really got to sit down and and, and try to figure out where this stuff is going you know because it's it's a thinking man's horror it's really you know i don't know how to say it. it's more elevated mm-hmm. uh and that's really quick that's one thing i think ken and i wanted to do off of belly timber in my previous films is Do some more grown-up horror. Uh, Get into the science and math of creepy other things, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. No, you didn't.
4: fear, but they don't understand. There you go. Yeah, And Bobby wanted something that was like, what, Italian art house and a little psychedelic and, (laughs) you know, something that you might want to sit down and smoke a bowl of your best (laughs) stuff with.
2: Absolutely. I don't know
4: if we should say that or not. No, no,
2: you're fine, man. You can say whatever you want here. Uh, right. This platform's mine. Um, so
4: I think it was successful in that respect.
2: Oh heck yeah, Martise, what do you think?
0: I'm sorry, I just stepped back in. No, oh. <laughs> Jay, Jay will know what you guys are talking about.
2: Well, I'll tell you right now. Um, you, you, you were talking about this earlier. You, uh, how they assaulted us with like montages of like the imagery throughout, like and, and, and like, it's almost like Lovecraft's writing itself. They're emulating it through the imagery that you see. And uh, it just kind of, like, reads like a fever dream at times. And uh, I imagine this was intentional. Yes. Martise picked up on that.
0: Oh, no, sorry. I'm still here.
2: Okay. Yeah. What you were talking about with the imagery.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everything about it was, like I said before, like, every scene had... Meaning to it, you know what I mean. So that there wasn't anything that was put in that, that that wasn't necessary.
4: Well, and that's something that we tried to stay very cognizant of. Something that always drives the narrative of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. or you know, millions of dollars of special effects and blowing stuff up and all that. So all we have is the story. So you got to try to keep your audience engaged, you know, with what they're seeing visually.
0: So here's a question that I have because you said that the Hannah House is a real house. Yes. It, did you take any of the history and the story from that and incorporate it into the movie?
4: Yes.
2: Okay. Yeah, you know, right. we took
4: advantage of what was there naturally and tried to, you know, help, you know, weave it into the story.
0: That's very interesting.
2: Yeah, that is. Uh, anything in particular or just uh, the fact that it was haunted to begin with?
5: Well, I, we, we'd had a couple other locations fall through um, that weren't really going to work because the story centers around an attic. It has a very unique shape. Yeah. And so we were kind of at a loss for where we're gonna shoot this thing and we looked at a couple of historical places and for some reason we thought to ask the man that runs this place called the Hannah House. Uh, and it is one of the most haunted places in the US. Uh it's purportedly part of the was part of the Underground Railroad. So
4: it does have a past. Um so people burned and died and they rather than give them, you know, give away the secret of the underground railroad, they buried them there in the basement. Oh, wow. as, as the story goes.
5: But when we found the house, uh, Brian using thought that it looked great and said, those people won't ever let you guys use the interior. That house is too nice. And we luckily were able to use it and the film gods looked out for us and we got in that house and he said, that's really going to up the production value. Um, so that's, it just has an ominous look to it, you know, it sitting all out there by itself in the middle of this.
4: Well, way. and the staircase, I mean, that the, you know, the, the bookcase that opens up and we were able to incorporate that into the movie. Right. And then uh, the picture of Kazaya, you know, that was already a picture that was there. And then we tried to make our Kazaya kind of look like that picture. Wow. Oh, so you know there was a lot of things you know that once we got there you know we were like wow this is cool you know how can we use this yeah that's interesting
2: yeah jay just joined us too that's jay Asadi in the background Are
3: you yeah i just didn't want to interrupt i was letting people talk you know i was just you <laughs> know
2: talk. we want to hear from you too man you got a question for him
3: no nah, like for me like what inspired you to really want to do that you know out of all the all the all the, all the history or out of all the um the arts that you was involved with, what made you want to tell that story? What inspired that?
4: Uh, the H.P. Lovecraft story. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft is a very interesting topic. Uh, it's somebody that already has uh, millions of fans worldwide, so you've already got a ready-made base, mm. you know, that you can possibly sell or interest your product mm-hmm. with. So, okay. you know, I mean, it made a lot of sense too, right? And you're talking about. You know, uh, Dreams in the Witch House. How many pages is is that like a, about a 33 30 something pages. That's
2: kind of long for his short stories, too.
4: Yeah, it's not it's not very long. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there's lots of room there to, you know, interpret, change things around. I mean, you know, if you read the story, I mean, we we took a lot of the parts of it, but we changed it around and made it totally our own. Oh yeah. Yes, stay true to the Lovecraftian themes.
2: I totally. Oh, still, so, yeah. I, I
3: see what you're saying as far as in regards to. That's why you had it. listed in the beginning. I noticed that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You established that in the beginning. Um, who was your cinematographer, man? I mean, that was some amazing. And like, actually, Martise brought it up earlier too. There was like, again, no fluff. Um, it, you you sustain the story the whole way the suspense and the horror is like there's never a dull moment you're doing story you're not introducing new people that take you off the beaten track they're part of it already and like i said most of them are villains um like
4: it builds as the movie goes
2: yeah yeah and it all comes together but who is your cinematographer on this one
4: uh well
5: um with james Brenton. okay jd J. Brenton.
2: hmm uh
5: great guy. Uh, he knows quite a bit about uh, filmmaking. Uh, he works in a corporate environment uh, with it, and so he wanted to branch out and get into cinematography a little bit more, and he joined us on this project and just hit the ground running. Uh, we immediately learned that the lighting setups that we were trying to do were going to just be, need a lot more attention drawn to them, okay. because we're trying to tell the story from different dimensions, and so we had to switch. We were constantly switching lights to match scenes. And it was really a lot. We were matching lighting every time we were shooting just to keep continuity. But
1: mm-hmm.
5: yeah, we shot uh, over three years. That guy showed up winter, summer, <laughs> spring, fall, 16 hour shoots. Like that's like crazy. If you think about how the union works,
2: but huh? yeah.
5: insanely talented dude.
2: That is a lot. The most I ever did was 14, and that was a lot. Uh, Let's see. I always, now I never got a chance to, I always wanted to ask a horror director this, or horror writer for that matter, um, for the screen and casting. How is it? And I got Jay and Martiz here, who are also parents. How do you go about (laughs) getting an infant? Uh, as a sacrificial character, on a, like as a loner, how do you go about getting infants? Uh, they, they they tell you that you know as a director, you should never start out with using kids or animals. You did both, <laughs> and oh, and mass. I want the baby.
5: We were very lucky to have our line producer Beth Hale, uh, who knows quite a few people in the industry friends and conventions that love us love her and are willing to go out on a limb give me the baby and let us have their kid <laughs> as a uh, you know a sacrificial lamb in a film <laughs> and some
2: of the parents i mean really excited you know
5: <laughs> oh the right. baby's
2: gonna remember this right yeah wow that's not what i expected. um have you ever either of you have you ever been confronted by a viewer uh, that was offended or said something was sexist because i'll tell you it did happen to me at a convention uh twice. uh have you run into that yet?
5: no i mean i had a you know a guy online once say something about what we were doing wrong was what we were doing was wrong in the <laughs> eyes of jesus christ and Ooh. his followers and I wasn't being very Christianly with a film about witches and stuff like that. And
2: I want to eat the baby.
5: You know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. What you're doing isn't comedy, so someone's going it's going to have a sharp opinion about it. So,
2: yes, you know, agreed, agreed. So, is the witch's curve a real thing? Yes, it is. Yes, Geoma- geometrically, or is this like yes? Okay.
4: Yeah, geometrically and then also the dual meaning of a wife of the devil. Okay. So it's an Italian f- uh, phrase. Uh, s- somewhere along the way, it ended up getting mis- mispronounced and ended up having that meaning as well. So, yeah, wife of the devil and then that uh, geometric terminology also. Did did research on that, too. Just, uh, that was
0: another thing that yeah. I found very interesting. I love it when people bring in... Like, talk about something paranormal, but also put science behind it. Right. Because it makes you look at things very differently.
2: That sure. is your thing, too, Martise, isn't the science behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you, you know, you can look at paranormal and go, oh, well, you know, that's not real. But then when you have something that's, like, tangible, I mean, I know that not everybody believes in science, but,
2: uh-huh. you know, well, I, mean,
0: I, mean, I mean, what are you going to do? It
4: more believable, so the fear can be more palpable.
0: Right. It also makes it more understandable. You know what yeah. I mean?
2: Yeah. Um,
4: Absolutely.
2: I got to ask you, too. This is a personal question. Did, did you have any trouble reigning in Salon Sangaris as his rat role there? Um, he's, not, he's not a stranger here, as I said before. And uh, just curious, like, did he behave on the set? Because that would be disappointing if he did
4: no he, he did pretty well for a naked man
2: oh yeah right jesus
4: yeah, he was naked running through the cornfield
2: and you know he wouldn't have it any other way from what right. i know about him
4: yeah i told him just think like a rat
2: <laughs> you know that's really
0: funny because that's one thing that uh that we pointed out when she was running through the field scared and we're like Ooh. i mean yeah one you have a crazy looking naked man running after you who wouldn't be scared in the woods
4: absolutely i would be
2: all right well listen we're gonna take a quick break here and get back with uh ken wallace and bobby easley on their movie witch house and h.p lovecraft inspired work that we both enjoyed martice and i believe jay did too is he still with us
0: he stepped out for a second (laughs) i just can't win win. yes he he enjoyed it as well
2: all right hey thanks for listening folks and we'll get right back Thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. I've got Martis from The Pop-Off and Jay Asati in the background as well. And we're talking to Bobby Easley and Ken Wallace, who brought us The Witch House, H.P. Lovecraft-inspired film that we enjoyed immensely. Um, and I was just asking Ken off the air here uh, where, uh, where we can see this and when we can see this.
4: Uh, well, like Bobby was saying, we're hoping for a release this summer at some point. Uh, it's doing the film festival thing right now. I think we've been accepted to 24 film festivals on five different continents and actually won nine awards so far.
2: Nice. Well-deserved.
4: So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was going to play at the Tibbs Drive-In Theater here in Indianapolis. Oh, that's so that's awesome. a little local drive-in theater. So that's kind of a big, kind of a cool little thing, too. Do you
2: have to wait till the summer for that, or are there going to be some uh, screeners before that? Oh, uh,
5: well, we're screening internationally right now in festivals but, yeah. and some throughout the United States, but in Indianapolis where we are, um, it will come around June. Is it uh, June is the four scene festival at Tibbs? And then we are hoping to be screening at Days of the Dead, uh, July 22nd, 23rd, 24th, where we will have a booth
2: that so. would be exciting i i hope to be there again myself i really want yeah, to do that convention come down, be our oh hell yeah that was so much fun i mean that one of my favorites that one that has a lasting memory for me there um your movie score is amazing uh Martise picked that out earlier too jay was telling me too the the score now who does that does one dude or is, you have a bunch of guys did you guys make the music i know plenty of directors that actually make their own music too um, how'd you go about that? Cause the score is amazing and on par. There's nothing annoying about it. It fits the scenes. And I, you guys know what I'm talking about.
5: Well, um, we have a guy, Dylan Nance, who is a, uh, producer who has been with me on the past four of my films. So we've just got like a mass catalog of music, sound effects and things from him. And then we've got some local bands that, uh, contributed music, uh, Heather Hart, uh, really great girl mm-hmm. uh, folk singer um, She's the, she's got some of the music that you're hearing while yeah. the girls are driving in the car um, and then we've got El Cripo with Lock the World Outside which uh, is a really good song at the end of the film uh, where it just gives it that western outworldly just ominous feel as it goes away uh, did they do like a soundtrack for one of the Exorcist movies yeah they did uh, the Exorcist Dominion film
2: really Okay. Yeah.
5: So they said, "Hey, if you guys want us to," do, and they really worked with us. I mean, really awesome guys. Uh, they said, "You whatever you need, just call us back." So yeah. definitely be looking forward to them. But uh, Kevin McLeod is another composer on here. Great guy, who uh, we've got uh, his music through a Creative Commons license. So some of the atmospheric stuff, and then it's just sound effects placed really well. We wanted to have a real organic sound because we're dealing with witches and the woods and. I didn't want a lot of over synthesizers, but I just wanted to have these weird, just odd-sounding bells. Uh, we we uh, down-tuned a lot of things and uh, added voices just rolling through a lot of the music, you'll notice. Just right. these ghosts of children just are popping up throughout it. So kind of threading yeah. it all
2: together. I always look at soundtracks. I mean, a soundtrack can make or break a film, too, and that's something some people don't realize. Uh, especially with in the indie. Well, not even just the indie. They're, I watch things on Prime all the time, and it's just like, you know, I, I just have a problem with... And I, you guys, as horror veterans, you know, like, it, the, if somebody has already been murdered, and then the kids all go back in the house and continue the party, you just insulted your entire audience. You know, things that are taken... <laughs> you know, they put the music back on. I, I can't stand things like that. Your music fit every scene. And again, I have to reiterate what Marty said. There is nothing. There is no dull moment, and everything is important. Everything you see is important. Everything established. Everything said, and that's that's what holds you to the screen. And you guys, you definitely accomplished that.
0: And I do have one uh, one last question: How did you know, and when did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Not necessarily just this movie, but like movies in general.
5: To be a director. Mm. Yes. Well. I've always been, I've always had an interest in cinema as a kid, and I kind of wanted to be an actor, worked really hard at doing just the modeling and small bit things here in the Midwest, and just thought there's not a lot of opportunities out here like there are on the coasts. So you've got to be proactive. If there's, you can't sit around waiting to be in someone's film. You've got to go and grab a camera, I don't care how good it is, or a notepad, and go out (laughs) and start shooting footage. Make a short film. You're, that's the only way you're going to learn. And then you can have your friends and people be a part of your films, and then you can move on and get better actors, better cameras, and then better stories. Leads to, you know, you got to start somewhere. And I, I'd rather be working on my own productions than sitting around waiting on a job that's never going to come, you know?
0: Right. Mm. So, as Jay would say, you're kind of Sylvester owning it. <laughs>
5: with a little bit of dolomite you know? ma- ma-
0: making your own opportunities right
5: Dolomite, you have to you know uh and that's the, you know that was a big influence on me rocky how they shot that in 27 days and how he was and he was in front of and behind the camera at the same time
2: mm-hmm. and
5: my very first film i played a serial killer who was also i'm also the director of the film so it's crazy and it gives you a sense of what your actors go through and it kind of helps you for It's like a real tough boot camp on yourself to where things will eventually get easier and it's more fun.
2: Very cool. We also get a cameo of you in the doctor's office.
5: Yeah, uh, I did get a chance to jump in there. Uh, My cameo got cut.
2: I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) Gosh, yeah,
5: we had a lot of really good scenes that got cut from the film, unfortunately. But uh, I think we're going to probably release some of those on our... A special edition Blu-ray that'll be coming out this fall.
2: I was gonna say, save it for the Blu-ray. That's awesome. I look for collectors edition. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, Martise hit what on. What was it? your
4: favorite payoff scene?
2: What's that favorite? What was your favorite payoff? I was about to. I was about to get there. I, I was just gonna say it because Martez hit on it, and then I I remember. It's, this is a, a, one of my favorite scenes, but not necessarily payoff. But I love your establishing shot above the corn rows uh, when they're running through it. I, that doesn't happen too often in any horror movie. They rarely show that above scene, the corn moving and somebody being chased. I like that, and I don't. I, I've seen so many, and I don't see that too often. But that was good. Um, man, wow, uh, Martiz, you want to take this while well, I think, because there's quite a few scenes is there something that sticks out for you what was your one of my
0: favorites was um kind of anything that was in the woods and then the dream sequences Mm. because
1: oh i got it it
0: it wasn't too dark that you couldn't see what was going on but it was dark enough that you got that you understood it and then just the jumping back and forth between her dreaming and then her being in the woods like the way that it was all put together was amazing
2: and I, you know what? that I knew you'd trigger it. Um, the lovecraft the moment with the Lovecrafty and appendage scene, uh, that was pretty intense and terrifying. And it's pretty wild. You do this dichotomy thing where the debauchery turns into like beauty when you have all of a sudden there's the green gel forest shot to the doorway. like and then she's out of it. You go from like that horrible appendage from the the the, the demon, and then she's getting through the doorway. you, know, you, you you're hoping to be safe. That was the one that got me. That yeah. scene. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys.
5: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are glad. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really know how it was gonna how it uh, was gonna be portrayed. How other people would interpret what we were doing. We worked on it so long. It felt like I hope someone likes this crazy
2: ass movie. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Seriously.
4: Yeah. Um, I, will everybody understand it? I mean, uh, what did you think of the uh, rat transformation?
2: Loved it. It was subtle and it worked.
4: With with the shadow and the, yes. the creeping bone sounds and that first breath, the ah.
2: Yes, I like that and a then lot. it
4: comes around the corner and then you, you see the reveal at that
2: point. Right, it wasn't too much. Whereas some people, some directors would have done too much um, in that you did just enough to establish it. And it worked. It worked really good. Uh, and you did that a lot. And I'm going to compare you to, I'm going to compare this film in your shooting style. Um, with your cinematography and character development, I, very Lucio Fulci, which is a favorite of mine, where he kind of develops characters—you don't even know if they're going to be dead in five seconds or if they're going to be your main character—and I, I dig that. And you, you have this microcosmic f- uh, field of characters. It's not just like it's not like just um, you know like a cast of kids going out in the woods. Every character is important, and there's probably what five to seven of them at the most. And I just like that they're all very important. Um, but yeah, Lucio Fulci, I don't know if you guys are into him at all, but I, I saw that through some of the scenes and establishing shots as well as character development. Uh,
5: that's funny. You'd say that because that's what I asked James, our cinematographer. That was, I, I love the movie Suspiria. Yeah. I like all of his just Brooklyn baby, uh, house by the cemetery. I just like Thank all you. that Italian stuff from the seventies, just with the crazy music soundtracks, the colors. And the Mm -hmm. Giallo horror special effects. And I wanted JD to try to get me that get me that and you saying that is an ultimate compliment to his work. Thank you so much. He
2: did. Oh, he did it. Um, you're, you're welcome. Um, I noticed that it. it hit me because I thought of a scene from the beyond and um, I like City of the, yes. the Dead too and which is Gates of Hell as well. Um, there's a scene where there's a hand just coming well, throwing somebody, pushing somebody fr- it's coming out of the darkness and I thought of the beyond immediately and how much that bothered me because um, it works and uh, yeah, you do that throughout That's the whole
4: thing. I is throwing Michelle back
2: yeah, 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 definitely. Well, and uh, if we're gonna if we're playing Clue, I'm just gonna leave this without spoiling anything. If we're playing Clue, I'd say candelabra, candelabra in the foyer. <laughs>
4: right.
2: I will leave the characters out of that because I'm not gonna spoil oh. it for anybody else. You all like right. <laughs> um, I think we're just about done here, folks. Um, uh, Jay Martise, got anything else in closing? No. All right. Well, let's t- you guys tell us where to find all your stuff and where you want to be found.
0: Okay, so you can, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking to me. Well, you no, can too, ahead.
2: Martise, that's fine, take the wheel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Martise M. You can follow Jay Asadi on Instagram at Jay asadi 100 and his Twitter is Jay asadi 20 And he's streaming on all platforms, and you can find the Pop-Off with Martise anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Also, I'm sorry, I'm going a little long here. No, nah, you're fine, Check you're me- fine check me out on the hot mess morning show on hot 95, um, on otoliths.com or on the, my tuner app.
2: There you go. And she is blowing up folks. And we are on iHeartRadio radio just to let you guys know as well. Um, that it, we've been killing it. And so you're going to have a whole new audience here. Hopefully if I do things correctly. Now, you guys, where do we find Ken Wallace and Bobby Eastley? And where do you want people to go to find all your stuff? And do you have merch as well?
5: Well, um, Good questions, all of them. Yes, we will have. um, Right now, we're currently working on a special edition Blu-ray that will be out this fall. But preceding that, we're going to have our North American release sometime this summer. So right now, we're gearing up for that. The film is screening internationally. Uh, You can go to our website, witchhousemovie.com, to find out all sorts of info, press, see posters, great behind-the-scenes stills and everything uh, on instagram you can go to witch house the movie and you can see us at the days of the dead indianapolis uh we will have a booth there so you can come up and say hi meet some of the cast and crew and uh we'll have a couple free giveaways and some awesome stuff there and that's where we'll find out more about the merch
2: awesome yeah i look forward to- i gotta get some shirts and i want some shirts for this show that i can give away as uh prizes and whatnot mm-hmm. Posters, too. I'm always looking for that. I love getting swag doing this. But well, mostly, I just want to see you guys again. I hope to be out in Indianapolis again and see you guys. I had a great time. I didn't forget any of it, really. Uh, that's when I know I had a good time. And I, Ken, thanks for reaching out and getting this to happen. And Bobby, I can't thank you uh, for the material. Keep doing it. I, can't, I don't want to ask you what's next because I want you to focus on this one right now. But if you have something you want to talk about, where's your mind going? I'm sure you guys, your minds are always going elsewhere when you're finished with a product.
5: Yes. Uh, right now, we have a couple ideas that we're in development with right now. Um, currently, I'm uh, playing the role of line producer on a action martial arts horror film called The Ultimate Throwdown.
1: All right. uh,
5: actually starring Michelle Morris and Aaron Trimble, uh, two of our alumni from Witch House. So it's Excellent. fun we get to work together on the set of that. But. Uh, working with some really cool at uh, WWE, or not, uh, just kind of pro wrestler guys and some martial arts. Chris Lydell, uh UFC guy, um, Bill Superfoot Wallace, used to work with Chuck Norris, karate guru. So it's really, uh, Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp is in this. Oh my God. So yeah, man, uh, it's really fun uh, shooting it up in northern Indiana.
2: You just opened up a cornucopia of all kinds of things. Um, I think next time you're probably going to be on uh, Martisa's show first for sure. Oh, cool,
5: cool. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to talk about anything that we're doing.
2: Yeah, well, all right, I'm in. Yeah, she, I, I, she's already in. We share. We do share our uh, our guests, so to speak. Um, all right. Well, as always, I'm at fairly dark on Twitter, rarely there, but I do Instagram, Kettle Whistle Radio, Gmail, uh, and Facebook. You can go to our Facebook page, Kettle Whistle Radio, and it's there, and I'm there. I'm David Fairhead. And uh, as always, burningbowlpublishing.com for all the books. And all the shows and books at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. You get every episode, including Bobby and and, uh, Ken's first appearance here. And we had Moran on, uh, the original Michael Myers, on that episode, too. If you guys remember, he was sitting with us for a bit.
5: Yes, man. You you had fun all weekend. You just had the headphones <laughs> yeah. on, the microphone, and we're just... Tick, 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 tick. Was over there. <laughs>
2: yeah, you guys were basically co-hosts with whoever sat down and we interviewed. I got Bill Mosley that day, too, for the second time. But yeah, there were some interesting folks. And uh, you guys, hey, you, you go in the distance, you're in the family, and hopefully we'll talk again maybe before the movie's actually released. We'll do something.
5: Hey, if you're not doing anything this summer, come hang out with us at Days of the Dead.
2: You hear that? Mortise? what do you think?
0: Yes, we'll see how, how everything goes.
2: Oh, just, I'm hoping. She's just like yes. Yeah, yeah. That's
5: all there is to it. Oh, we are a fun bunch. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I was painting the picture earlier when I first met them. Uh, there was some edibles going around. I'm not going to point any anybody in particular, but there were like 12 to 15 guys just stoned out of their mind. And not just them. The my people that I was with too. That includes John Russo. He probably had his beer though. Um, yeah, it's Miller Light, it's Miller. Miller Light, yep, yep. And I showed All up. All right, you sold me. I showed up late, and these guys, I, I, they acted like I knew them, and I didn't. And it was great. It was like instant, you're in the fraternity, okay. And it was nuts. And that that is a great show, Indianapolis. I had a great time. And just before I met you guys, I was walking in with Steven Piercy from Rat. That it doesn't make any sense. You know, like I was just it, somewhere else at that point. But you guys kind of. <laughs> He reeled it in nicely and i hope to see you again and good luck with the film and everything else and are you guys on facebook
5: yes we are h.p uh, lovecraft's witch house
2: there it is all right as always folks thanks for tuning in to kettle whistle radio and check out the pop-off with mortise you will not be disappointed and all i Heart radio fans thanks for listening and welcome to the fold
1: I want the baby, give me the baby.
2: (laughs) I want to eat the baby.
1: Subcultures, music, 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 horror, horror sex, sex, politics, politics, politics art, and, and overall, overall bad. bad ass. Ass. This, this is, society is Society Thirteen, redefining podcasting. Redefining.